feel very weird because it is ordinarily a very weird thing to do. Usually take turns or pray quietly. You don't have to pray out loud if you want, but it is a good thing uh, to hear one another pray, especially when it's been probably quite a long time since we've done so. So if you're willing, when I say go for a certain section of prayer, just start praying out loud. You can whisper if you want. You can talk loudly if you want. Jesus is going to be able to sort out all those prayers and understand exactly what you're saying. Join me in praying. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be together a gathered people. And you have, you have told us, you've commanded us, you've invited us to bring our prayers to you. This morning, we offer to you, Lord God, prayers of thanksgiving. We thank you for so many things about who you are and what you've done. So wherever you are right now, out loud, offer your thanks to God. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for the beauty of your character, for the excellence of your love and your kindness towards us. There is no one like you, Lord God, and all of creation never stops saying it. And we are grateful that we get to lift our voice in concert with creation to proclaim the goodness of your care for us and your love for us. Now I would invite you to offer up your intercessions. Pray out loud for, for somebody other than yourself, for, for somebody that you care about, that you love, that you're worried about, that you're thinking about. If somebody pops into your mind, pray for them out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us to cast all our cares on you. Thank you that your hands are big enough to hold them. Your shoulders are strong enough to bear our burdens. Specifically right now, let us lift up our voices and pray for those who have less than us, for people today who are without homes, for people in other countries who face the prospects of pandemic with far less resources than us. Scriptures say the eyes of the Lord are on such people. Let us turn our gaze as well with Him. Pray for people less fortunate than yourself.
Jesus, we thank you that you're on the throne, that your eye sees all things, that you will judge rightly. And we ask, King of heaven, for you to bring your justice, especially for the poor, the forgotten, the powerless. Finally, let's pray specifically for people in our country and in the world who are making lots of important decisions. Pray for the governor, pray for Buncombe County, pray for the president, pray for the leaders of all nations, and pray for people who are seeking treatments and vaccines, researching this virus, pray for the success of their work. Jesus, you taught us to pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for that to be true, for that to come quickly in every way that we can feasibly imagine, in our governments, in our public health, and in every other sector of our world. We pray that you would bring your kingdom and that we would work alongside you in its coming. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us here today. Open our ears and our hearts. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I'm going to pray one more time um, that we would have our ears open and our hearts soft and we'd hear the Word of God. But first, um, over here, Emily and Daniel. Emily was up here uh, singing with a baby in her body and is playing with her other baby. Um, Daniel helped to start our youth ministry here at Valley Hope, and they're, as a family, moving to, to Florida. Uh, and so this is, uh, I, th- I think it's in a couple weeks you're leaving. And fortunately, we had this one more time to see them collectively. And uh, we, because of where we live and, and the folks that come to be a part of our church, we often have people come for a while and then leave. And it's always been important for us to say that we're not just losing people, but that our people are sent. Uh, and, and we want to confess that even when it hurts. Um, I'm not thrilled that we have to send Daniel and Emily, but I, I love them very much and think very highly of them. Emily was one of my first students at Montreat, um, set the curve really high um, for people that came after And as a family, they've been a wonderful blessing to our church, and we are grateful for them, but also excited to see what God's going to do in and through them. So I'd like to pray especially for them. If you could, would you just stretch out your hands as a sign to them and to yourself that we're praying for these folks right here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the Lancasters. Um, We thank you for the, the special place that they've had in our church for years 
God, we thank you for blessing and protecting their family, for providing jobs, for for providing a landing spot for them in Florida. We pray, God, that you would continue to bring fruitfulness to their lives, that this baby who's coming would be healthy and he he would be growing and and loving you from from even now, that he'd become accustomed to hearing your voice. Father, we pray that you would send them and the fields would be ripe for harvest and they would give their lives as they have done for the gospel. We thank you, Jesus, for them, for for giving us the honor of having them as a gift, Lord. And we want to give them away, sow them away, and send them and commission them for your good work, Lord Jesus. Bless them and protect them. And Father, we ask for us that now you would open our ears, that our hearts would be soft, that we would receive your word, would be shaped and changed by it, that we would be the people who shine like stars in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, um, it is, um, right now I'm sort of staring into the sun. But I've actually been training this for this. No, get, get, get out of here. I don't need your sunglasses. I'm not wearing your sunglasses. I'll step on your sunglasses. And I'm not, get, get us out of here. For, uh, for the past two months, every time I've preached, um, I have been standing in a room with this guy, Peter and Jeremiah, and that's about it, and staring directly into a bank of LED lights. So I've been training for this moment This version of what I'm doing is so much better than what I've been doing for the past two months. And I am so, so grateful to see you because I have missed you. I have been praying for you, but what I really want is to see you. And today we get to see one another. I'm so grateful uh, that we have this chance. I'm grateful to God for this weather. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, Let me read our passage today from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Um, Philippians is a letter about joy in the context of suffering. Paul is a, is a man in prison and full of joy because of the Philippian people. And he is inviting them, this whole letter, to, to themselves be a people full of joy that carries them along through whatever suffering might face them. And here, Paul is encouraging them, inviting them, commanding them to live out the thing that Jesus has done for them. He says to them that they are the beloved people, and they are called to work out their salvation with fear and trembling 
Because it's God who's working in them. It's his impetus. It's his will that will complete the work. It's his work that's his will that started the work. And because of that, they are supposed to be a, a certain kind of people in this world. When I planned this preaching through Philippians, I did not know that this is where I would be or this would be the context of what we would be doing today. But it's perfect. It's a perfect message for us. The people who have been scattered, who are now able to be gathered. Because Paul is telling them that what they are called to is not dependent upon the context or the circumstances that they might find themselves in. But they are called to fix their eyes on Jesus. And because of who Jesus is, they are meant to be this kind of people in the world. In the beginning of this little passage, people find a little bit troubling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you grew up in churches like I did, this is sort of the opposite of the message that you're told. It's don't be afraid. God has done everything. And now Paul is saying, be afraid. It seems like work out your salvation. And to my ear and to your ear, that might sound a bit foreign. But Paul is expecting his readers and hearers to understand that there's a certain kind of standing before God with a certain and good kind of fear that you should feel. And it is not the fear that's like, I'm terrified. It's the fear of standing before something huge and majestic and awesome and trembling at your core. It's a kind of fear that you kind of get a sense of if you go someplace like the Grand Canyon, if you go to Yosemite, if you go to some place that's massive and you're sort of standing on the edge of the ledge and the, the massiveness of the awesomeness is just sort of ready to suck you in. That's the kind of fear and trembling that Paul is talking about, that you see God and before the awesomeness of his beauty something inside of you shakes and trembles and you don't know if you want to fall in or if you don't. And he says, work out your salvation. And what he's not saying is you better work real hard and hope that you become a saved people. But he's saying that the salvation that God has given you means something and you've got to work out what that means in the life that you're living that God has not called you and I to be this for our whole lives, sort of spectators sitting in our chairs, just sort of beaching ourselves on grace and just laying there in comfort and reclining for all of our days. He's saying God has invited you into a participatory work, that he has given you something and he's invited you to play with it. He's thrown you the ball and given you the game and you have to exercise your creative kingdom imagination and work out what that means. And he makes clear, it is not all hinging on you. It is God who gave it to you. His, his, your willing is his idea and the completion of the game is in his hands. But you and I are meant to participate in the thing. And then he says, specific kind of instruction he's worried about. He says, don't be a kind of people that are, are murmurers, is the word that he used, complainers and argumentative. In this whole little section, he's borrowing lots of language from Israel's story. 
Israel, as they're walking through the wilderness, are murmuring people, complaining and arguing against what God has told them to do as they walk through the wilderness. He uses the language of the song of Moses in Deuteronomy about this being a crooked generation. And instead, he then uses the words of Daniel, be like stars shining in the sky. And as I read this section, as as Paul is inviting us into Israel's story and the specific things he's warning against, don't be argumentative, don't be complainers. I thought, is there anything that our world is more arranged for than complaining and arguing? Our our society, our culture is particularly arranged to form us and to make us more than anything else into complainers and into arguers. So you can't read Paul's letters to the Philippians and say, well, that's those people over there who might have to go to jail. Those words are particularly pointed at me. The more time that you and I spend on social media, the more that we are being baptized into the school of complaining and arguing. That is now how we spend the, the bulk of our brainless free time is opening our phones to figure out how we might complain and argue even more. That is how we spend our time. And Paul says that you and I were meant to be a different kind of people. That is a word that we need to hear now in this season of our lives. We are in a season. We will not have to do this for the rest of our lives. There will be a time in our life where we will look back on a coronavirus pandemic and it will be truly in our past. It will be stories that we tell to our children, to our grandchildren. It will recede. This is not forever. But this moment has the kind of darkness against which we are called to shine like stars. We are not called to be like the rest of the world. And that commitment is not just something that you can just say or put a nice Instagram picture up about and then it happens. It requires the kind of participation that Paul starts with in this section. You cannot expect to passively sit back and coast your way in the right direction. But instead you must actively resist the formation of the world and instead be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. We are a people who are called to hopefulness. We are a people who are called to remember times like this and and confess even with our teeth gritted that this is the true end of the world. The true destiny of all creation is assured And it is this. 
That even when we are forced to go into our homes, when, when, if lockdown comes all the way back again, and, and once again we are locked alone in what feels like silos, the truth that we set our hearts by, the anchor of our hope, the thing that pushes us in a different direction, that forms us to be a different kind of people, is that this is the end of the world. That Jesus He is the one who wills my willing and will will my completion. That in the passage that is just before this, it is Jesus who will be revealed that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that actually Jesus is the Lord. That it's not my money or my possessions or my relationships. It's not another God. It's not another thing that I can give my worship to. It is not coronavirus. It's not a pandemic. It's not my country. It is Jesus who is King. It is Jesus who is Lord. So Paul's expectation for the Philippians and for us is that we will be able to see that in our minds and it will silence our lips so that we will not be the ones who live our lives by complaining and by muttering and by arguing. We will instead turn ourselves over to the hand of Jesus. And we will submit to his kingship and we will trust in his rule. This is a different kind of life and when that shapes you, you stand out. You shine against the darkness of the times like stars in the sky. So you are being questioned and interrogated this morning by Paul, by the scriptures. Do you see Jesus this morning? Do you see him for who he is? Has your hopes been fixed on the things that you have lost? Are of your hopes been fixed on Jesus, who can never be taken from you? Have you been, been pushed around and buffeted by the waves of fear and anxiety? Or do you see Jesus for who he is, knowing that he will surely do what he has promised you? Have you allowed yourself to be a passenger in this world? riding the currents of where our culture is going? Or are you actively participating, working out what this thing means in the here and now? People of God, this is, this is not just about making sure you feel good at night. But this is the fact that God has made us together to be a people that he could set up in the sky into a dark and lonesome, and anxiety-filled world. Say, look what I have done. Set your course by a different set of navigational instruments and go against the tides of fear and doubt, panic and hopelessness. This morning, I was thinking about what, what do I want, what do I want you to take away? What do I hope happens for you? And more than anything, it's this same this week as it is for every other week. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see him. 
I want you to be reminded of him and his love for you. And I want you to follow him. I want us to follow him together through the darkness of the night. We are in this together. You don't have to work this out by yourself. We are in this thing all together. Even when we are in our homes by ourselves, you are not alone. And when loneliness has pressed in on you over these past two months, the loneliness that might await you in the coming months, do not believe the lie that you are all alone. You are not. And I want you to hear the truth of what Paul believes, what we believe, that it is God who wills and works for his good pleasure. And he will bring you home. He will bring you home. That what we are experiencing is not the final word on our lives. He has already possessed the final word for himself. And he has already told you the end before you've even begun. That it is finished. That he reigns and he rules. And he will bring you safely home. This morning, if you are here and you've lost your way, if you know that you've been blown aside pursuing your own ends, your own comforts, or giving in to the fear and the panic and the isolation of the logic of this world, you are not too far gone. But Jesus is right where you are, even as you've drifted away. And he wants you to extend your hand and say, bring me home again. And he will. And if in this season of your life, you have realized that you have kept a lot of things from Jesus, that you said you can have, you know, Sunday mornings, maybe parts of another day of the week, but the rest of my life is mine. And you've realized in this pandemic season that that means there's a lot of things that you are responsible for and in control over, and that is terrifying to you. This morning, Jesus is ready to take it all from you. So you do not have to do that anymore. You can come find shelter under his care and let him work his will in you. This is good news for us. And this is who we are because of who Jesus is. The Lord who is being revealed and will be revealed now and forever. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your kindness towards us, your persistence and your patience with us. And Father, I pray that we would participate with you, that we would see how good and glorious the work of salvation is, and we, would, we couldn't help ourselves but throw everything that we have in with you that we would work out what this thing means in our world, that even in this pandemic season, we would be working out, okay, what does this look like when I can't go anywhere? What does this look like when I lose my job? What does this look like when I can't see the people that I want to see? What does it mean to work out what this means? Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with joy for the task and that we would get the sense that that we are invited to play with you. 
that you surely hold us and you will surely complete what you've begun. Panic and anxiety. And you would instead help us to hear the still small voice that speaks the truth that we are yours. Father, help us to cast all of our cares on you and to hang all of our hopes on you. Help us even in this season. Reveal to us, do a miracle in us that we might see Jesus more clearly than ever before. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust that you will do this. We trust that this is your will. We, we ask that it would come soon, come quickly. Amen.